Welcome to TTM Cast One on One with Jeff Baker. Every Wednesday, we'll bring one on one interviews with hobby professionals, former athletes, authors, and collectors. Sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win. And by sportscollectorsdaily.com. If it happens in the hobby, you'll find it on sportscollectorsdaily.com. And sponsored by gemrate.com. The latest grading statistic from the four major grading companies is just a click away. Visit gemrate.com. It's free. Sponsored by Collects. The free app that shows you the value of your card collection. Scan and catalog your cards, follow other users, and buy and sell with other collectors. That's Collex, C-O-L-L-X. And now, here's our host, Jeff Baker. Hello, everybody, and welcome to TTM Cast One-on-One. It is Wednesday, May 10th. This is our special one-on-one show that we run every Wednesday now. It features an interview, a special interview for somebody in the hobby or some, maybe a former athlete or an author. We have all sorts of cool interviews. My name is Jeff Baker. I am your host of the program, talking to you from Boston, Massachusetts. And I'm joined with my friend, Drew Pelto. He is from Dallas, Texas, and he's got full internet pre- uh, connection today. Yay! Yes, finally. Little, I mean, that's, that, that was a little frustrating on Saturday, don't you think, Drew? Just a little bit, yeah. Cause, I, mean, and, I mean, just think, it wasn't just Saturday either. It went all the way through about eh, 5 p.m. on Sunday when we finally got it back and reliable. It's been good ever since, and hopefully it stays that way. I know. I felt we were like in the Stone Age when we recorded our show Saturday. It was, it was a really good show, too, Drew. I think we did a really good show uh, against all that hardship and technical snafus that were going on. That was none of our none of our fault, but I think we did a pretty good show. Yeah, I mean, I was about ready to, you know, get the Morse code... Uh... Cheat out and start tapping it the, out. And the smoke signals, there. right? In the old yeah, cartoons, smoke signals. There we go. Snow, smoke signals up. Yep. Yep. Well, Drew, we have a really great interview today. I, I spoke with Rich Miller today, um, and we're going to run. We're going to run that, and uh, we talked about kind of what's going on on the hobby, guess state of the hobby. We talked about what's going on with Panini and Fanatics, and, and his his view on a bunch of stuff, uh, collection collecting wise. And I think it's a really fun. Uh, interview and informative interview. Rich has had his finger on the pulse of what's been going on with Panini and Fanatics, I think, and uh, he's reported it as be- better than anyone in the industry. I think it was it was nice to get his take on it, and also he does this every day, twenty four seven for whatever how many years he's been doing this. And there's not many guys that that have a true understanding of our hobby like like Rich Miller does. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a guy who, yeah, like you said, he's been around this thing forever, and he's just he's probably one of the top reliable, top most reliable uh, sources for any kind of hobby news right now. He's his site's an absolute must read. Yeah, I agree. So we'll have that coming up at, uh, a little later in the show. Just so I, Drew and I both got uh, Bowman Blaster boxes this weekend. I ordered three uh, in the mail from Target. Drew, you got yours from Walmart, right? Yeah, just went and uh, picked one up. I was uh, in a Walmart. I'm like, yeah, what the hell? We'll grab one while I see it here. I'm I'm gonna give it two thumbs up. I thought uh, the 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 collation was good. The inserts were good. The regular guys were good. There was there's tons of rookies in the set. I, did you get a lot of rookies when in your box? I did. Yeah, I had Adley Rutschman was in there. Um, what's his name? The guy with the red socks there that you got the insert of. I got his regular just paper rookie card in there. Um, a couple other guys, but yeah, I mean, there's what Corbin Carroll. Um, 
can't remember now, but those are like the big ones off the top of my head. And yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I got, it's what, like a 100 card base set for the veteran base cards. And I think I got like probably 40 different ones out just a, a regular blaster like that. Plus, you know, of course the prospects and the Chrome prospects and some decent inserts as well. So I would definitely agree. Two thumbs up on that product. Yeah, I mean, what do we? I think the there's you have seventy two cards. I think in a in a, a blaster box, which was yeah. good. I think that they were um, the the collation was really good. I got three different blaster boxes, and I don't think I got more than two or three doubles out of the the three three boxes, which was I was very happy nice. with. Uh, and like you, I picked up a, a lot of rookie cards, and I got different colors, and uh, I got a, a couple pink inserts. I think I got two green retail inserts out of the three boxes. So all in all, the only thing we didn't get, I don't, I, don't, I didn't get a, an autograph. Yeah, that's, uh, I don't know. I haven't read to see what the odds are on there, but yeah, no autograph in mine either. But I mean, I got the Drew Jones first, uh, first Bowman paper card right there. I'm yeah, nice. real excited to get that one. Hopefully, uh, hopefully I'll be able to get that one signed in a couple of years when it comes through with uh, Amarillo. I uh, got the James Wood green chrome one. There's number 10 out of 99. Chrome yeah, I like, green the, refractor. I, I like the green. Yeah. Looks really nice there. It's number 10 out of 99. That's the Nationals' number one prospect. So got some high hopes for him. And then got the, uh, I guess, kind of like a tie-dye uh, refractor that's got that green uh, sort of thing going on there. It's kind of like green and silver there, kind of almost okay, a tie-dye nice. there. But it's a Lazaro Montes, who is the uh, Mariners' number 13 prospect right now. So very happy with what I got out of those. And I will definitely be uh, picking up another one here at some point. Yeah, I am too. If I see one at Walmart, I, I won't be afraid to pick. I think they're, what, 30 bucks, right? Yeah, it's either 30 or 35, something like that. Yeah, I think that they were $30 or, or pretty close to that. Um, very happy. I, I, I like I like the Bowman this year. I, I'm I'm pro Bowman's and I think the blasters are good. You don't you don't have to spend all that money on a jumbo or, or a hobby box just to get one one or two uh autographs of guys that may or not pan out. I'd rather I think I'd rather just get the blasters. Definitely. I mean, that's all I need is really is some base stuff, maybe the occasional. Occasional parallel just to mix things up a bit, but that's all I really need for getting autographed. I agree too. I'm gonna I'm gonna be hitting my first two major league games this week. I'm going to see the Red Sox and the Cardinals on Friday, and then I'm going to check out the Red Sox and Seattle Mariners on Tuesday. So I got two two Red Sox games. Uh, very excited. I haven't been in a Red Sox game in probably three or four years now, so it's going to be interesting to go to, into Fenway Park and see uh, how things have changed. I don't think I'll be doing, doing much graphing. I don't. Fenway is not the best place to. Get autographs. Would you agree? I've actually never graphed inside Fenway. I only ever did outside when I was uh, living up there. But yeah, what I've heard, it's it's tough inside for sure. Yeah. How's your week? Pretty good. Got a couple of TTMs in. We'll be talking about those on Saturday, of course. Uh, mailed out a couple of uh, paid requests as well. I got in on a uh, paid signing for Jose Canseco. Okay. I've had uh, I've had his four rookie cards sitting there forever. The uh, '86 Donruss Fleer Fleer update and tops traded. So. Had those sitting there and found a private signing on uh, sportscollectors.net. Mike McGuire has the, the same price as well. So yep. I think like $15 a card. So not bad there at all. So sent off those. And I sent to a uh, Nolan Ryan through his foundation as well. Cause I had five set cards. I still needed on him. And I worked a bunch of overtime for the NFL draft. And I'm like, all right, you know what? I can finally get all of these done for both those guys. I still have a little bit left over. So let's go ahead and knock that out. I mailed them off yesterday and hopefully we'll have those back in the next couple of months. Nice. How much is Ryan now? He's a 75 per on cards. I think inscriptions are like an extra 25. I think anything like balls and photos and such are, uh, I think, well, photos largely like an 11 by 14, I think are like, I think maybe a hundred or something like that. And then 150 for, for uh, premium items, something like that. Okay. Yeah. I, I haven't done 
him in a while. I did, I did him when way back in the, um, uh, the late seventies, early eighties. And he used to oh. sign for free. Yeah. <laughs> so I have, I, I got him a couple of times through the mail back then, but I haven't done anything with him. And I've got a couple, I've got a 71 tops card. That's in great condition that I kind of want to get signed, but I don't know. I've just been kind of waiting for the time, the, the time where he, he, he uh, has a sale. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, exactly. And unfortunately it looks like he's, Seems like they're raising prices every couple of years during the summer. So 75 right now might be the best time to get in on that. How um, did you post any videos? You got any videos you're working on? I haven't yet. Last week was such a slow week that I figured, you know what? I might just combine last week and this week together into one video, just be done with it and do that after I go and do my in-person stuff in Frisco over the weekend. We'll be going out and getting uh, me Wichita, the double-A uh, squad for the Twins coming to town, going up against uh, Frisco. So we go for those guys on Sunday. I'll probably post a video then on either Sunday night or Monday with a recap of everything up through then. You're going to try to get Lee, right, from Minnesota, the shortstop? Yeah, I think I got a couple cards of him in here. Let me check my binder here to make sure, because I know I bought some of him. I just got to make sure that, yeah, I've got two cards of him here, and I think I'm waiting on a couple more, because there is one shipment from Sport Lots that has not yet gotten here. So hopefully it gets here before uh, by Saturday there, or else I'm going to be really up the creek on that. I've, there was a couple guys in there that I had only, that was the only one I was able to get a uh, cards of was from that uh, particular dealer but i think there's two lees in there and then three of a pitcher or something like that and other than that though i'm pretty much stocked on this team so hopefully i can hopefully i can get them all very cool yeah i saw him at uh, spring training twice and he was he signed every for everybody excellent so he, he's a good signer so you'll that you'll have fun well drew i think that that does all our, our housekeeping at the beginning i think top, batting leadoff is batting leadoff is hobby happening Let's get the show started. Leading off, we look at hobby happenings. Smart collectors turn to Sports Collectors Daily to stay up to date. From new releases to incredible collections hitting the auction block, news from inside the business of sports collectibles, and much more, Sports Collectors Daily has it, all with no subscription cost. SC Daily also delivers a live look at the most watched sports card auctions on eBay for every sport. Sign up to get the headlines in your email for free or just visit the website whenever you like. With 16,000 stories in the archive going back 16 years, there is always plenty to read at sportscollectorsdaily.com. You do that so well. I love, I love how you do that. I'm so jealous. Well, Hobby Happenings is kind of a summary of what's been going on in the hobby the last couple of days. We always do Baker's Dozen in our show on Saturday, which is more of a, a drawn-out uh, news summary of what's going on in the week. But we only have a couple of days to talk about. First, I just want to remind everyone, uh, we have a new sponsor, Collects, Collects App. It's a great app. Drew and I are, are big fans of it. We use it all the time. Well, they're offering a $10 coupon to any only, this is for only TTM cast listeners. You get $10 towards your first purchase of any card or paraphernalia, you know, sweaters, t-shirts, hats, all that kind of stuff from the collects uh, marketplace. But it's really easy. All you have to do is just send me your name and your mail and email address. And I'm going to send the uh, your name out to Collects, and then Collects will send you uh, a $10 coupon and let you know how you uh, can redeem it. Really, all you have to do is to make sure you download the Collects app from the App Store or from the uh, Google Play, and make sure that's on your phone or, or your, your iPad. And uh, from there, you'll be, get a $10 coupon. So please send me your name and your email address to ttmcast at yahoo.com. And I'll make sure that Collects sends you a $10 coupon. So that thank you, Collects, for that. Collects is a great app. Make sure you check that out. Well, Drew, we had one of your 
uh, nemesis is right. He's a nemesis of yours. A little bit, yeah. Passed away uh, this weekend. Yeah, Vita Blue died at the age of 73. I had tried him TTM. Basically, it ended up as being three different times, but twice. Uh, the first time was a success. No problems there at all with his $10 fee. Next time, I sent four cards and $40, so, you know, $10 each as requested, and uh, never got anything back. So I'm like, oh, that's that's not good. So about, like, six months later, I sent another, I was able to get new copies of the cards that I'd sent and uh, wrote a letter out saying, hey, look, I mailed you back on, you know, August of uh, last year and never got anything back. I sent you $40 and everything. I was just hoping, you know, maybe got lost in the mail. Maybe you could, wouldn't mind replacing these for free because, uh, you know, just... I'd like to get what I paid for and everything there, but here's the cards. Hopefully uh, I'm hoping you'd be willing to sign them and got a note back just saying that his fee was up to $15 a card now. And uh, so never is. saw my money, never saw my cards. And uh, I'm like, yeah, um, that's not good. And now, uh, yeah, I think just 73 and I don't think I'm ever going to get my uh, $40, my autographs, unfortunately, but I was able to eventually kind of buy and replace a couple of them with, you know, purchases and trades and all that. So I've at least I'm, I'm chipping away at it, but still it's like, I'd kind of like my money, possibly, but yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make a big deal about it there, though. But key cards for Vita Blue. His rookie card was in the 1970 top set, card number 21. I believe he shared that card with Gene Tennis, if I remember right. Yep. And then a 1974 tops. He had uh, had some very nice seasons there in the early 70s. Card number 290. Nice one of him as well. Yeah, you know what? It, it, he had a, a strange career, right? He yeah. was he was really really good up until about 75. 76 mm -hmm. maybe and then he kind of as the a's fell apart and, and uh all the pieces got whittled away his kind of effectiveness dwindled is that a good way to say it i don't know yeah if, definitely fell off a bit he got there. hurt i don't i don't think he did he was having some drug problems in that time so yeah. that may have played into it but uh yeah he, i mean he eventually did come back and had you know got to be decent again there when i got to the royals in the 80s there and yeah he played for the royals he played for the uh giants right yep yep in uh, kind of a star-crossed star career, but he was, and certainly in the early to mid-70s, he had to be one of the top three or four pitchers in the game. Absolutely. I mean, he was, I think, wasn't he like MVP and Cy Young Award his uh, rookie year? Or he at least won a couple of awards right there. It may have been rookie, year, rookie of the year in Cy Young or something like that, but big time, yeah, big award winner there early on in his career. Kind of a Dale Murphy-like career where, you know, no, absolutely ridiculously Gooden. dominant there for a couple right? of years. Dwight Gooden. Dwight Gooden's another one. Yeah, exactly couple guys there who were ridiculously dominant early on in their careers but for such a short period of time and unfortunately that's i mean they're they're those guys that will sit on the edge of hall of fame but not quite getting in there yet and don't know if they ever will they're in the the hall of very good there to uh name to name drop the uh, guest from a couple weeks ago yeah well you know it, it i hate to see um you know somebody from my youth pass away and you know i was i was a big by a blue fan i always enjoyed him as a uh a competitor as a pitcher and, and you know we're we're sorry to see uh you know he passed away at the age of 73 i, be, I believe it was on saturday yeah so drew we have some uh may grading numbers early may grade numbers from our friends at gemrate.com yes we do from the first week of may the first through the seventh numbers from psa sgc csg and beckett psa's numbers down a little bit we've seen that a little where it's gone you know up 10 percent down 10 percent up 10 percent down percent down 10 percent and Right now, they're down 16%, 226,500 cards, though, that they graded during that week. Uh, SGC up a little bit, 9% increase to 20.7, 20,700 cards graded. There we go. Uh, CSG, a nice big increase there, 38% increase there at to 19,300 cards. 
and Beckett dropping a little bit again, maybe the fallout of the uh, Chopra uh, split there, uh, hitting them a bit. Tw- uh, 13,500 cards got graded for a decrease of 21%. And just looking at the numbers, I think that makes us up about 10% for for the week. So last week yep. was down, I think, 11%. And this, this week it all kind of came back. So good good to see some numbers. Th- thank you, Jim Rate. Hey, uh, I have a weekly article in Sports Collectors Daily. It got uh, posted today. Uh, I always do my TTM successes and talk about what's going on in the show. Please make sure you check out my article this week. I had the uh, the horror, the fiasco, the I don't know, whatever you want to call it, but I washed three of my TTM successes. Oh. But they were they were in my the pouch of my sweatshirt. Mm-hmm. Put it in the washing machine. Didn't even realize it was there. Sun, Sunday morning, I went to get it out. And I was like, I opened the, the lid and I saw a, a top loader with a card. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so, guys, check out my article this week in Sports Collectors Daily. You can you can, sh- you can laugh at my my uh, <laughs> my pain, my pain. Oh, the pain. Dr. Smith, the pain. <laughs> check out the article and then check your own pockets as well. Yeah, just, just let's not sure have that happen to anyone. Make sure you check your pockets before you put your stuff in the wash. Well, Drew, you know what? We only have one new release this week. It's very strange that there's only one new release this week. Yeah, really light week for it. But so we got a basketball release from Panini, the Donruss Optics set for 22-23. Those are hitting the stores. You're going to see 20 packs per box, four cards per pack. You're going to get one autograph in there, but 29 other inserts or prism parallels. So pretty nice uh, smattering of some color in there. $300 is going to be the price point on that. This is very interesting. This is all on Panini's site. Um we had three uh, releases, recent releases that saw a price drop. So Panini Revolution uh, had a price drop for, this is for hobby boxes, from $125 to $100. It's pretty good, $25 savings. Panini 2022 uh, Limited NFL had a price drop from $270 to $250. And 2022 Panini Prism Draft Picks Basketball, this is a good one, went from $200 to $110. So Panini uh, supply and demand, right? I think that's what they're doing. They're, they're coming out with some high prices to begin with. And if they don't sell, it looks like they're dropping their prices because these were all directly on uh, the Panini America web, uh, website. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's the market dictating the prices as it should. So, I mean, good on them for, you know, saying, all right, let's drop the price, make it a little bit more affordable, try to move a little bit, just, you know, Sitting on it saying, well, too bad, pay it or pay it or screw you, essentially. So yeah, well, if you know you're in, you're not gonna if you bought it at the high price, buy everywhere, but you can now you can get some stuff uh at a discount price. So check that out. Hey Drew, we have 77 days until the national Ray Bork days away. There you go. But uh yeah, we've got some more names added to the uh list of autograph signers out there. For the Philly fans, we've got Mike Schmidt and Alan Iverson are both going to be there. So you're out in Philly, make the drive across over there or the flight across over onto uh out to Chicago for it. Dan uh, Dan Marino and Fred McGriff, a couple of Hall of Famers also added to the list. Fred McGriff, of course, being one of the most recent baseball Hall of Fame additions. VIP names have been added as well, with Paul Popovich, Al Weiss, and Bob Dernier all added on as well. So if you've got the VIP pass, you'll be knocking out all three of those guys there as well. I know. I can't believe I gotta go buy buy an Al Weiss card. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, if you need any extra Bob have, Dernier stuff. The only if one I have is 69, and I that's a, I, I, it's my set, so I don't break the setup, Ooh, yeah. you know? 
Yep, yep. Well, if you need like, an extra Bob Journey or stuff, I think I've got a whole bunch here. So yeah, send yeah. it my way. Will do. <laughs> All right, hey, we got some new uh, two shows uh, coming up at the uh, mid end of May, May or May nineteenth, twenty twenty first. There's a uh, a big show in Pittsburgh coming up. It's two hundred and forty tables. It's Mainline Autographs is putting it on. It's May nineteenth through the twenty first at the Monroeville Convention Center, a Pittsburgh. Uh, Slated show, right? They're gonna have uh, Yarmy Yager, uh, Stallworth. They're gonna have nine baseball Hall of Famers, including Ricky Henderson, will be there. Um, really looks like a great show. It's the big Pittsburgh show. It is the go to mainlineautographs.com for more for more information. Two hundred forty tables is a pretty good size show. Definitely is, and uh, we've been mentioning this one here for a few weeks now, and. You're up in the Boston area. Go and check out the Fenway Park Card Show. That one is less than two weeks away now, May 20th and the 21st. Second annual show they've had out there at the legendary ballpark. Several autograph signers are going to have Pedro Martinez, uh, David Ortiz, John Papelbon, Enrico Petroselli all there on Saturday. Now on Sunday, you'll see Tim Wakefield, Mike Timlin, Luis Tiant, uh, Jose Canseco, Johnny Gomes, Steve Pierce, and uh, Brock Holt all going to be there as well on Sunday. So, Check that out, and I believe they're also taking in some uh, mail-in autograph requests for it as well if you can't make it out to the show. And if you're on sportscollectors.net, I know I've seen a couple of people posting up that they'll take uh, private signing consignment type things for it as well. So there you go. Check that out if you're in Boston. If not, then you know check out other ways to be able to get those guys. Yeah, and I believe Conseco's autograph is free with a regular paid admission. So yeah. that's pretty good. There are other ones. That, uh, Ortiz was like 300 bucks, I think. Pedro's like 200 bucks. The other ones are... I don't know, fifth, you know, forty, fifty dollars. So, um, no, no bargains to be had. But you do get a Conseco autograph with a paid admission on on Sunday. So that might be something to think about. Drew, hey, you know what? We haven't run a contest in a little while, and and, and uh, I think you know this is a good time to time, good time to run a contest. I'm going to have um Jeff Parker, who is the inventor and CEO of Card Cradle, CardCradle.com. It is a new way of displaying your cards. It's kind of a plastic holder that you can display either um, in top look in, in uh, one touches or in graded cards and it's got a, um, a command strip so you can put it on your wall take it down it's a really cool little product and we're going to give away four of them i have four card cradles to give away so all i need you to do is send uh, me an email to dtmcast at yahoo.com i need your name and your mailing address and in the title put card cradle card cradle as the title, I'm, we're going to give these away next Saturday. So this Saturday, we have uh, Jeff Parker from Card Cradle. I'm going to talk to him about um, what's going on with his new company, his new invention. It's a really cool thing. And go check it out at cardcradle.com. And then the following Saturday, we will announce the four winners. They have four, four card cradles to give away. Uh, all you have to do is put send me your name and your mailing address. And in the title, put Card Cradle and send it to ttmcast at yahoo.com yeah and it's pretty good so i have four of them to give away they're really cool check it out go to cardcradle.com and if you want to register to win one just simply name uh and your mailing address to our email address and you'll be entered to win and we'll give them away not this saturday coming up but the following saturday all right got it cool was that easy enough is that explained yeah, enough so. Sometimes I, I get convoluted on these contests, you know. <laughs> <laughs> We've we at least kept it separate from like the uh, the collects uh, ten dollars off there. So 
Hopefully nobody tries to run those two together into one email or anything. I'll keep it separate and send True. Six I, separate ones. It's okay. If you can put them all in one email, I'll, yeah. you, you put card cradle and I'll, and, and you want $10 from collects. So I'll, we'll get you that too, as well. Perfect. Drew, this is a, a new show that's been on Netflix. Yeah. Um, it's uh, all about Ken Golden, who of course you may know from Golden Auctions. He's been around the collectibles uh, industry and hobby there for quite a while. King of collectibles is the name of the show. You can find it on Netflix. And they just had another new episode come out featuring a Jackie Robinson game-worn jersey. So really cool stuff. You get to see a lot of high-end stuff that you can really only ever see in photos online in shows. You actually get to see them on the show here and everything. So go and check that out if you're on Netflix. King of Collectibles is the name. You know, it's I'm jealous of his his showroom and his office because he has all this like cool unopened you know, baseball cards and cool stuff in front and slabs and uniforms and he's and he's got vend baseball card vending machines and yeah every every corner he turns is like oh well, that's that's neat i like that oh that, that's neat i like that well i think he, he's got i don't know i think he's got six or eight episodes that that are up available that you can watch the shows are about i want to say they're about an hour so okay. i watched the first one i think my brother my brother watched every one of them so he was he was really raving about it I haven't had a chance to check him out, but the first episode did feature Jackie Robinson game worn jersey. So uh, it's interesting. Cool. I, I think it's done very well. Another TV show that Drew and I love is The Card Life, thecardlife.com, with Matt Strom, who was a pitch for the Red Sox and the Padres and the Kansas City Royals, and now is with the Phillies. And um, this month they, they focus on Florida, and Matt Strom goes to CSG, and you can watch Matt Strom talking to our friends at CSG about grading cards. Uh, and it's really interesting. It's their it's their second season, episode eleven. Uh, it is uh, showing all over the country on uh, Nesson and, and Masson and um, ba Bally's right sports network, and yep. it's all over. so. Check your local listings, or you can go to thecardlife.com. Drew and I love the show, uh, and it, it is hosted by Matt Strom. Check it out, thecardlife.com, and I highly recommend this this month's edition because it shows Florida and shows our friends. At CSG. So we just want to let everyone know about that one. All right, Drew. I think we got Hobby Happenings is done. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think we got 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 through everything on there. I know we got a lot for a, only a couple of days. It just seems to be a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, well, especially considering how few releases there were this week to be able to fill it off with all the other stuff. It's like, wow. Our I know it's a lot of good stuff going on. Well, speaking of good stuff. Uh, I interviewed Rich Miller today from uh, SportsCollectorsDaily.com. Rich has founded SportsCollectorsDaily.com, and he is editor, and he uh, ex accepts stories from Drew and I, right? Yep. <laughs> he puts up with our, with our gibberish and makes it flow nicely, and he's a, a, a great guy and a great ambassador for the hobby. And it's really, uh, we get Rich's um, take on what's been going on with fanatics, what's been going on with Panini, and, and what's been going on with our hobby. Some things to look at uh, coming down the, the pipe for the hobby. And it's really interesting to get uh, somebody's take that he spent, you know, seven seven days a week, 24 hours a day focused on our hobby. And, and he, he if the, there's no one out there that is more in tune with what's been going on in our hobby for the last, I don't know, 10, 12 years, right? At least, yeah. At least. So uh, please enjoy my interview with Rich Miller from... This week's Sports interview is brought to you by Certified Sports Guarantee, csgcards.com for superior sports card certification and grading. 
Have you created your sports cards with CSG yet? There's no better time than now. Every authenticated sports card arrives in the hobby's best holder. CSG is known for their expertise, integrity, and world-class service. Get your sports cards for as low as $12 a card with CSG. Go to csgcards.com to start your submission today and get $10 off the first year of your membership with code TTMCAST. All right, guys, I'd like to welcome my lucky charm. This, this gentleman has was my first ever guest. He was a guest on our 100th episode. He was a guest on our um, first live show, and he is a, a true friend of the, the show. And I'm talking, of course, of Rich Miller from uh, sportscollectorsdaily.com. He is the man. And, and Rich, I, I want to thank you because you really were the one before I, I even started doing this. You were the one like, yeah, I'll come on your show. And I really appreciate your support since day one. Never turned on an opportunity for a little free PR. No, that's it's great. It's you guys have done a great job. And uh, uh, the fact that you're hanging around, you're kind of one of the, the veterans of the podcast world here now. We're kind of kind of one of the pioneers of this whole thing with uh, the shows that you've done and, and also expanding out to, to shows like this one, the one on one. And so it's uh, it's a credit to you guys to to keep keep this going and, and all the great guests that you've had um you know I've, I've obviously you do a column for us each week on uh, ttm collecting and and uh we i see a, a lot of the uh, the guests that you mentioned from week to week and you cut a big cross section of the hobby so that's awesome yeah we have so much fun drew and i really have fun doing it and it's just uh I just love talking to people that are passionate about uh, our hobby and, and you lead the way my friend you you uh you know, without you, I think there'd be a huge hole in the hobby. And and I think what you guys do on a daily basis uh, amazes me because I know how much work it takes for just me and Drew for two days a week. And, and you're out there every day, you know, 24 seven. Yeah, yeah. It's been a it's been a labor of love with an emphasis on the labor, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah, um, especially I mean, the last two years. Right. It's been just crazy. Yeah. It's been wild. Yeah. The last, uh, I guess it started probably 2019 when uh, just before COVID um, and now, and you've had so much uh, investment in the hobby from outside and some um, you know, people with really deep pockets bringing their money into it. And now we've got a TV show. And so it's uh, there's, there's tons and tons of stuff that's been happening, but yeah, it's, it's really uh, it's been a challenge to keep up with everything and, and try to, you know, let people know what the most important things are and and uh, try to cover them as best we can but it's yeah it's it's become you know it, it it's not quite as crazy as it may have been during kind of that COVID. everybody kind of associates it with covid which is sort of true sort of not but it's you know it, it's been a little bit quieter here the last uh, you know couple of months i guess or, or, or first part of 2023 but still there's a lot going on if you know if you if uh the hobby was was a patient. You were the doctor. How how would you what would you say? Are we is our hobby uh, in a good place right now? Are we are we healthy or, or are we still uh, building like we have in the last couple of years? Where, where do you see the hobby as a whole? Yeah, I, I think it's it's a little bit of a mixed bag. Uh, you know, if you compare the way things are now in terms of interest, and I like to gauge interest just by are people going to shows? Are there new shows popping up? Is there 
activity in Facebook groups and are we seeing new people come into the space? And the answer to that is yes. You know, is it as crazy as it may have been a year ago? No. Have prices pulled back on a lot of cards, especially modern cards? Absolutely. Yeah. You're seeing, you know, we did a thing at the start of the year, like kind of looking back at the the past year um, in card prices. And there were a lot of, you know, drops in certain things. And, and I think if you track modern card prices, a lot of, uh, especially basketball cards, uh, modern basketball cards have really taken a dive. And part of that is just because we're seeing so many of them flood the market. Um, you know, we've, we've seen so much material graded over the last two, three years. And, and now, you know, we're continuing to see as the prices have come down for grading that kind of ramp up again. And you're seeing a lot of people still trying to make money off of these, um, you know, base cards and, and, you know, high serial numbered cards and it's just not working, you know, and, and so, uh, but, but I think overall, you know, you go to a show um, that's well promoted and you still see a lot of people uh, walking around, you know, Nashville, I'll, I'll give that for an example, because that's three hours from where I'm located. And it's kind of one of the bigger events of the year and that they run shows, you know, on a regular basis, not just two or three times a year. And those shows, those smaller shows have over a hundred tables and it's busy and people are coming in from a couple hundred miles away. So there's a lot of activity. Um, so I, I think, you know, overall it's in a pretty good place. Yeah. You're seeing some pullback too on the corporate level, you know, layoffs and uh, you know, some things that have happened inside the companies that grew really fast. And you're seeing some of the different things that popped up in 2019, 2021 that are, you know, they're just not making it. And so they're pulling back or they're getting out of it completely. Um, but that was really kind of unsustainable. You you know, what we saw uh, at the time with, you know, prices and just exploding and all these different companies and startups coming in, all many of them trying to do the same thing in terms of, um, you know, what their what their purpose was, which was in a lot of ways, it was a, a platform to buy, sell and trade. And, you know, there's only so much room for some of those uh, different uh, yep. You know, platform. So, you know, yeah, we're seeing some pullback and part of the part of it was, you know, I'm sure the economy had something to do with it, but also just, you know, you had a lot of people getting into the hobby uh, on one level or another, whether they collected as a kid and they came back or they just thought it was interesting. They came in and some of those people have come have moved out now. And, and so uh, there's been some pushback, pullback, whatever you want to call it for, um, you know, a while now. And I think we'll probably continue to see that a little bit. But I think at its core, I, it seems to me still that the hobby is very strong. Uh, the national will be big this year in Chicago. They've expanded it um, in terms of the size. And so I, I think uh, uh, if, if I was in this, I, I wouldn't think that the sky is falling by any stretch. Um, it'll be contracted a little bit, maybe uh, even further. But I, I think um, if you're buying the right things and selling the right things, I think you'll be just fine. Do you think the the card companies, uh, the card companies being Topps, Fanatics, Panini, and to some extent Leaf, um, are their own worst enemy in terms of, of overproduction and high prices for new new items? Do you think that um, you know we're seeing a, a, a rec, uh, you know the prices coming to where they should be? Yeah, I, I think they're running a little bit of a a dangerous game with with. Uh, the amount of products that's that are being put out um and we've talked about this for years you know how the oversaturation of the market yeah it really hasn't uh impacted things you know to the degree that you might think people still buy cards there seems to be an insatiable appetite for new products but at the same time you know i i think we're seeing so many different lines come out that there's there's got to be a limit to what 
is being produced and what is capable of selling. You know, I, I'll take this for an example. You know, we all remember the times when the, uh, the Target and Walmart were, uh, you know, it was, it was a stampede every time new products would come out. Well, now those days are over. You can't flip retail anymore because they're making more of it for one. And number two, the interest isn't there. And, and so, you know, those days are over. Now you walk into a lot of Walmarts and Targets and the card section is not only where it was four or five, six years ago, but they're having trouble selling a lot of it because there's just so much out there. So, um, you know, I, I think we are a little bit of an oversaturation point with a lot of different products um, because you're seeing in the prices that stuff is selling for the, you know, the new boxes are in many cases being sold at a loss in some, in some areas. So there's a fine line to walk between, you know, the, and that's one thing that fanatics talked about. Well, they need more people to collect and, and get more products. Right. I mean, what do they want to, they want to grow a tenfold, right? Yeah. And, and that's a catch 22. You know, you, you, you want to keep, I wrote about this when, when they were talking about it. it's like, yes, you know, I understand their goal is to get more people into this, but at the same time for the collectors who are the, the, the tried and two people who have been in this for years and will continue to be into it, they don't want their stuff to be that they collect to be overproduced because then the value goes out of it so that's a tough line to walk and i think they're probably starting to find that out do you think it's too early to tell or um we can make a judgment on this and i'm not quite sure either do you think fanatics has been good for the hobby as a whole and uh you know how do you see that kind of falling out? I mean, this you you know you're you're dealing with this on, on a day to day basis. You probably know you probably have a better feel than than most people. What what's your overall feeling uh, with Fanatics as a, as a company in, in terms of helping and being uh, beneficial to the hobby? Yeah, I think the jury's still out in in some ways um, because they haven't taken over the football and basketball licenses yet. Um, but I think you know there there's been some. And, and a lot of things that they're planning on doing have not come to fruition yet um, on all levels. But I think the one thing that they did that was really good in terms of exposure was this rookie debut patch uh, thing that yeah. they've got where, where every you know new player in baseball that makes his debut gets a patch on their jersey. And then after the game, the patch is taken off and it'll get put into a uh, created a, a one of one relic card. Um, and that got a, a massive amount of attention, not just in the hobby, but beyond that, the broadcasters were talking about it on the games and the beat writers who cover the teams were talking about it. And, you know, it was on national television. And so that that's the kind of thing that that fanatics with its reach um, and kind of the creative things that they are bringing in here just some out of the box kind of thinking is you know i think that's good i think i i hope that they understand i hope that the the higher ups understand you know how how the history of the hobby is and that you can't just come in like i said earlier then and just make a massive amount of product and expect that it's going to sell um and i i think they do probably realize that um you, you know you, you have to take care of your base first before you really realize um, you know, before before you chase people that aren't in it and try to convert them into collectors, you have to take care of the people who are collectors first. And I hope they understand that that's the biggest and most important thing. But I, I think we'll see some we'll see some more creativity and some 
uh, unusual type of promotions that hopefully will be of benefit to collectors. I like to see that they're out at shows and talking to people. Um, they spent a lot of time, I know, uh, over the last, uh, probably, I guess, kind of late last year, early this year, they went to a lot of shows. And I'm talking about Michael Rubin and, and Mike Mahan and the guys yep. who are really the, the heads of, of Fanatics and the, and the Fanatics Collectibles Division. Um, you know, they've, they've done a lot of uh, boots on the ground kind of work, I think, getting out and, and talking to collectors and dealers and, and just kind of seeing the ecosystem that is the hobby. So that's that's good. And I know they've been to some of the really big card shops around, too. So, um, you know, that's that's a good thing. Uh, but I think it's going to be a while before we kind of really know. Uh, where they're headed with this. Um, I'm kind of intrigued to know what they're going to be doing with basketball. We could keep hearing that they're going to be producing basketball cards, but obviously they don't have the license yet. Right. Um, so it's, it's uh, I, I think it's something that we probably won't know the answer to for a couple more years yet. What do you think of Panini as a lame duck company, lame duck company in terms of, you know, they they know that they're going to be out of, of NBA and uh, MLB in, in three to three to five years. Um, is there trepidation out there that they're going to just flood the market with product and, and devalue, uh, you know, everything going forward? Well, I, I haven't heard that that's going to happen. Um, I, I don't know, you know, what's happening sort of behind closed doors there. Um, they still have the licensing until 2026 as of now, I'm sure, you know, as we've seen with the lawsuits that have been filed and the yep. departures in, in relation to the departures of the people that used to work at Panini that are now with Fanatics, um, you, you know, we're seeing a lot of that kind of thing happening where, you know, there's a squeeze kind of being put on by Fanatics to try and get Panini to to fold or sell or whatever. Um, but, you know, to this point, it hasn't happened. And Panini seems to be kind of fighting back against all this and trying to hang on. They've hired some some more people, I know, to replace some of those who have left. I don't know how many. They lost 34 employees, I think, in the, in the course of about a week, we wrote. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a real bloodbath that I don't think I've ever yeah. seen in this hobby. Yeah, yeah that was pretty unprecedented um, to have that many go that quickly. And I, I guess that's kind of the basis for the lawsuit that Panini has filed and tried to obtain this temporary restraining order from uh, fanatics doing any more of that so far the judge has allowed them to to do that to hire more people but they say that those people cannot uh, you know give up the, the secrets the the the, uh, the the facts that are important to panini that are you know privy to them that uh, they can't surrender that to uh, their new employer and that's so that's kind of something that's going to be dragging on for a little bit while, a little bit longer too so yeah i i, I don't know it's uh, i'm sure panini is fighting to hang on they you know for as long as they can but it, you know at some point things are going to change because the, the the contracts have already been signed for for fanatics to take over football and basketball in a couple of years did you did you ever think when you started Sports Collectors Daily way back when that you're going to need a law degree to to <laughs> follow what's happening? Yeah. I've read more court papers in the last uh, last uh, couple of years than I have in a long time. But yeah, I know. It's, it's crazy. It's uh, it's you know, it's when you have big and and card companies have always had value, but Tops was always even though they necessarily weren't you know, they were kind of considered almost a mom and pop company, you know, and now it's, it's a lot different when you have this behemoth like fanatics uh, taking over uh, that's already taken over baseball and other. And that was something that was, you know, that's, that's a, a never before uh, in the history of, of, uh, of collecting has, has one entity just come in and made a big 
uh, swoop like this to own everything. Tops used to have kind of monopoly on it. Uh, years yeah, when we were growing up, right? They, it was tops or nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's so different now because the players uh, have a stake in it, are going to have a stake in it, and, and so are the uh, the leagues and the teams themselves will have a stake in it too. So, But it's funny, you know, you mentioned um, tops kind of having the monopoly, and you look back, now nowadays if you don't have logos and emblems on on your cards people kind of scoff at that you know panini sure. tries to make baseball cards and then they've done a, i guess you know done enough business to where they can keep doing it even though they don't have an mlb uh, license they have uh, been able to produce cards but you, you don't see logos on them and you don't see uh team nicknames or any of that kind of stuff but you look back at some of the old tops cards um they didn't have a license to produce cards with MLB or NFL or NBA logos for many, many years, um, yeah. you know, and, and you look back at some of those cards in the seventies and, you know, you got guys with caps that have no logos on them and that was the only thing you could buy. So, you know, now I guess we have a choice because we have company, you know, tops has the license to do all of that. Um, and the cards look better because of it. But for many years, if you were a collector, you, you really noticed that as a kid. I mean, you noticed it as a kid if you grew up in that era that, you know, there weren't any logos on it. But it's just like, well, that's just kind of the way it is. You know? <laughs> so it's uh, it's pretty funny to, to think back. And, and nobody ever complained really about it too much. Right. It you just, just you just accepted yeah. it, right? You just accepted it. Yep, that's right. The well, bad um, you, you know, you out. mentioned uh, the TV show. And I'm talking talking about Ken Golden's uh, show that's on Netflix. We also have The Cards Life, which has been around for a couple of years now. And MLB is run, running their uh, their show on, I think, Sunday mornings now. Um, and then Adam Sandler, they're going to produ produ yeah. be producing a movie. Um, is all this attention um, in mainstream media? Do you think that's good for the hobby overall? Oh, I think so. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, I think I wrote a, a story about uh the uh, dream team collection from Carl Malone that Golden is, is selling. Um, and I can tell that it's garnered a lot of attention because our web traffic on that particular story has lived on. I posted a, you know, probably, I think it was a week ago. And still today we're seeing several hundred page views a day on that story. So that's, that's something that has to do with people going online and searching for Carl Malone's dream team collection or whatever they're typing into the search box and they're finding our story, which apparently I haven't looked, but apparently ranks in the Google search engine near the top, I guess. But um, so that's a good thing in terms of, you know, it says that people are interested, that they're looking for more information. Um, and I think that's what happens when you have shows like this, like Carded on MLB Network. And, you know, they're reaching a segment of the audience that, yes, a lot of people that watch that probably do have some kind of an interest in cards, but there are also a lot of people who just they happen to be looking for something on TV or they're a baseball fan that always has MLB network on and they're seeing that. And so that, you know, doesn't necessarily mean that everybody that watches it is going to be a collector, but some will, you know, some will get into it. Some will rediscover their old cards. Um, if you're in the business uh, of selling and buying cards, that's a, a great thing because if you're, um, in that business and somebody is looking for information on how to sell their old cards or maybe they want to get into it and buy some really great rookie cards or whatever um, that's that's how it happens you know and that's free publicity nobody pays for that you know it's so I think if I'm in the in the buying and selling business I think I'm making sure that I'm visible online because when somebody sees one of those shows and they start typing in the search box for more information 
you know, if your business pops up immediately in that first page of search results, then that's a good thing for you. You know, a really good thing because that lives on, you know, for months, week, you know, weeks, months, years, even um, if you can maintain that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I wrote, I wrote that the article on the game day, I don't know, four or five years ago, and I'm still getting two or three uh, <laughs> emails a week on yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. For something like that, that's relatively obscure. And now just imagine, you know, you're doing a show on, uh, on baseball cards in general, or, uh, sports collectibles or whatever, uh, you know, it's just magnifies it a hundred thousand times. Yeah. We, we see that all the time with our stories too, that I'll, I won't even know sometimes. And all of a sudden one of our stories will see a big amount of traffic. And I'm like, well, what, why is that particular story from seven or eight years ago, seeing, seeing all this traffic. And then I'll find out that there was a TV show that made a reference to something related to that. So that's yeah. kind of how it all happened. You know, um, it's, it was always baseball cards, baseball cards, baseball cards, but it's been in the last couple of years, football and basketball um, have gained huge popularity. Um, and also ticket subs became hot this past year. Past year. Where do you see um, the next hot item coming through in the collectibles field? Is there is there something that, that that's kind of been sitting, lying in the weeds that you feel like is going to have gained a lot of uh, popularity in the next year or so? Well, as somebody who has a lot of programs, I always wonder why they're not more popular. And I know. I love them. Yeah. It's, you know, you could hold a baseball card in your hand and you turn it over and you read the back or admire the picture on the front. But a, a yearbook or a program tells a whole story. You know, it's, it's 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 pages. The Super Bowl program is over 100 pages long. Um, and there, you, you can sit there and actually have kind of an interactive experience with it. I know it's kind of old school because everybody's on their phones now and, and reading stuff that way. But um, the covers on those things are so great on many of them. And, and uh, you know, there's great stories and, and pictures you won't see anywhere else, um, especially in the old team yearbooks. My gosh, they used to do, you know, they'd have the player pictured with his family and, and they'd talk about his background. And then, you know, there would be, uh, other stories you know about what happened the season before and it's just they're just really fun to to go through and, and historic programs from games not everybody bought a program so some of them are you know if they didn't overproduce them they're um, in fairly fairly short supply and of course you know as time has gone by a lot of the old programs even from world series games and and things like that are are tough to uh, locate anymore uh, because time did a number on them and a lot of them got lost to paper drives or in world war ii or whatever so i think they're kind of underrated whether they're going to come back and be a big thing in the hobby i you know i don't know but and then they do have value especially some of the uh you know rare old world series programs and super bowl programs and things like that of course but um in terms of uh anything new that's it's it's interesting how ticket stubs uh, did kind of come out of the woodwork. You know, they were always collectible, but now all of a sudden, uh, especially at a time when teams are doing away with physical tickets. Right, and that might be it, Rich. That, that might be the only reason that people realize, oh, wait a minute, we're not, not going to have these anymore. Yeah, so. yeah. And they're great. You know, you know, you look at, especially like old college football tickets, the, the artwork, artwork on them is just sensational. It's uh, it's certainly interesting to see where, where we're going to go as a hobby. We're talking to Rich Miller. Rich Miller is founder and editor of SportsCollectorsDaily.com. And Rich, you've, you've done a, a great 
work in terms of, of building the site and, and adding new features. And one of the, the features that's fairly fairly new, I think a couple of years now, is that kind of behind the card, the back of the card feature that you, you guys uh, run. Has that been popular with your, your yeah. viewers? Yeah, card back Q&A. Uh, Tony Reed does that for us. Tony does a great job with a couple. Yeah, I really enjoy it. He, uh, but he, yeah, he'll he'll uh, grab a bunch of cards of a certain player and uh, that he has access to, uh, and you know he'll interview the the person for just a general Q and A about collecting or his career and things like that. But then the second part of that is that he'll do a card back Q and A, like he'll he'll take a look at what's written on the back of the player's card and ask him to kind of go into more detail about it. And and some of the things that are written, of course, on the back are really funny and. Um, you know, this guy was a big Brady Bunch fan as a kid, so he'll ask him about that and they'll go into more detail because it kind of gives you a chance to know the player a little more and, and get a little more insight in terms of uh, what was on the back of, of those cards. And it's he'll, he'll take about usually four or five different card backs and ask the, the player or former player, whoever it is, about about that. So, yeah, it's it's been fun and a lot of people have really, really enjoyed that. Um, it just gives a little more insight into uh, what the guy was all about and what he was thinking at the time and what that little one-liner <laughs> was all about that you read on the back of the card. No, it, no, it bothers me in terms of, of the site site and it's not the content. It's that um, our country as a whole is, is that it seems like a, the, a police blotter every, uh, yeah. every, every other day, somebody's either scamming somebody or trying to break into a, a store. And, and I'm surprised by all that. Are you? Well, I think part of that is a, is a byproduct of the fact that we've had so much publicity here in the last few years about the value of cards. We saw the same thing back in the late 80s and 90s when obviously the values weren't as great, but they were still surprising to a lot of people. And I, I think you're seeing a lot of those break-ins now because because of the fact that people have read that cards are valuable and then, you know, they crooks see that as an easy way to try and score um you know some free stuff and so they'll go to all kinds of lengths we had a story earlier this week about a, a card shop in uh, northern california that was broken into where the uh, thieves cut a hole in the wall yeah in the strip mall, and they cut a hole in the wall of the business net business next door and kind of tunneled their way into this shop and stole thirty thousand dollars worth of worth of merchandise right for so, baseball cards rich they're doing it for, yeah, for, for baseball yeah, cards it, it's, yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. And I, I think that, uh, you know, if, if people, some people occasionally will say, well, you know, this happened in you know no place nowhere near me. Why would I be interested in this? Well, I think if you talk to card shop owners, they will tell you that security is their one of their, you know, if it's not the number one, it's one of the number one, one of the top uh, uh, concerns that they have because it's happening a lot more. And and obviously they poured their heart and soul and their, you know, a lot of money into this business and they don't want to lose it. Even if they only, you know, even if they get back some of it, eventually there's no guarantee of that, first of all. And, and secondly, it's still, you know, you feel violated when you do that. And, and when it happens, then they inevitably have to spend more money to try to get even better security because most shops now do have relatively decent security because yeah. you, know, you know that, um, you know, most of them have security cameras and if you don't it's kind of your own fault you know and you gotta you gotta be protected in some way shape or form and and uh, but i think uh you know that's that's a really big concern for a lot of shop owners and you want to see those guys succeed you know it, it's uh you know I, I have a soft spot for people that run shows and people who run shops because that's their livelihood they're really putting it out there and they're the one-on-one -on -one contacts with the with the people that are 
into this business, in, into the hobby, whether as a collector, um, mostly, mo and most of the people that's who they're dealing with are just average collectors. So I kind of, you know, I, I like to see local shows succeed and I like to see local shops succeed because they really provide a, a really valuable, um, you know, one-on-one -on -one contact with people that's hard to get online. You know, it, it's, there's tons of information and there's tons of, of uh, you know, shopping opportunities online, but the, the in-person thing can really be educational for a lot of people that are coming into this. Um, and it's, it's just sort of a community thing you know it's it's a community activity it's a it's a uh, a physical presence for the sports cards and collectibles and so you like to see that um be be successful for anybody that's in it you know whether they're a small business or a, a larger business um you like to see it succeed and it's hard for them to do that if they're if they're having to spend so much money and and you know time worrying about is somebody going to come in and break into my shop and and you know wipe me out uh, that's that's a tough thing to deal with yeah it, it always bothers me when i see see somebody um you know gets their cards stolen at a show they're going to set up a show and then all of a sudden you know they three cards walk away that the that they you know they they worked hard to get and it's just yeah it's just, it bothers yeah. me yeah yeah and we've seen a lot of uh you know theft and just different types of crimes taking place um you know in a lot of different formats you know whether it's breakers <laughs> yeah not being on the up and up or or you know in-home burglaries and all kinds of things like that but i think by and large for as a whole the hobby's pretty you know we're, we're a lot of honest people but but I, there are people out there who who are looking to take advantage of the uh the fact that uh, shops and dealers are are trying to be you know trying to do something good and and they see a vulnerability there somewhere and they try to take advantage of it What's the, 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 the most surprising thing uh, that in the hobby for the last six months for you in terms of, oh, I didn't see that. I didn't see that coming. And, uh, or, or, or a story that was like, you ran the story, but all of a sudden that was became your, you know, your most popular story of, of that, that month. Is there anything that, that really surprised you uh, hobby related? I think there's, you, you never know which stories that we run are going to be popular. I think it's a lot of times it's just things that people can relate to, you know, um, not everybody collects modern cards, not everybody collects vintage cards, but I think everybody can appreciate the fact that there was this great find made or this rare card that somebody didn't know they had and they took it to an auction and it did a phenomenal number, you know, um, I see all the time that people uh, go through a relative's belongings and they see this box of cards and they take it in there. There was one not too long ago where this person had a, a box of, you know, just different sports things and, and non-sports related things just in a random box somewhere. And they took it to, uh, and one of the things they saw in there was a ticket stub and it was a Yankees ticket stub. And anyway, they knew it was old. So they took it to, I can't remember the auction house, but they took it to uh, auction and the auction company, you know, looked at the stub and luckily for them and luckily for the consigner, they did a little research and they saw that it was a ticket stub to Mickey Mantle's debut. You know, wow. So this random ticket stub that was thrown in a drawer um, all of a sudden became a five figure item, you know, as a 
wonderful windfall for this family that just thought it was a random box of stuff and thought, well, maybe this ticket stub's worth a few bucks. Um, so, it, and those kinds of things really resonate with people. They love to read about them. Um, it, but sometimes it's it's something completely, uh, you know, unusual that I don't expect is ever going to see much in the way of traffic. But for whatever reason, it, it gets people's interest up and they share it. And once it kind of gets that little mini viral thing going, we see a lot of traffic coming in from social media. Um, so it's it's you never know. That's the one thing fun thing about this every day is I'll, I'll look at the traffic numbers and see which stories are picked up by uh, Google Discover or, um, you know, Google News were indexed alongside all the major newspapers and things like that. So um, when one one of those stories gets uh, attention from the usually it's sort of the the public at large rather than just collectors um and we'll see a big influx of traffic from that it's always fun to see rich you guys do such a great job covering uh the auction market as a whole um and there are there always still seems to be you know record numbers uh, obtained on jerseys and, and bats and and that kind of stuff um i think that do you think that's a good barometer on where where the hobby is is it do you look at that as, as a uh, a leading indicator of where where the hobby is yeah i think you know what's interesting to me and, and not all the auction companies do this I, I wish they would but um a lot of times we'll get uh some statistics from them that say you know we had more bidders in this auction than they've ever had before and they'll give they'll give me the number you know the, the number of bids the number of bidders and those numbers especially for the auction houses that have really put a lot of uh not only promotional effort behind it, but they're increasing their visibility, whether it's social media, um, whether it's just running more auctions or um, seeking marketing opportunities um, on air, online, wherever they can. And they're being rewarded for that for by seeing more people come to their, their website, their auction and, and bidding. Um, so I think that's a really good barometer for the hobby. And I think most companies, it seems to me, are seeing more bidding and more uh, just new people bidding on the auctions than they have in the past. Now, I don't know if that's continued into this year, but I, I well, at least in one case, I know Robert Edward Auctions had posted that there had more bids and more uh, unique bidders than they've had ever in one of their more recent auctions. But I, I, I think the amount of material that's coming to auctions tells you that it's true. You know, their companies are expanding the, the number of auctions they do, the catalog. Some of these catalogs are like the New York phone book. I mean, they're, I know, aren't they're they? massive, you know? And so there's obviously a, a, you know, a lot of interest from people selling, but you have to also have the number of bidders that are interested in buying that stuff because they don't want to have it sent back. You know, they want to sell it and the auction company wants to sell it. So they make money. So it's all got to happen. You know, it's and so in many cases, it seems to be because they wouldn't put out these big catalogs if the stuff wasn't selling. And if you have a sell through rate of 98, 99%, you know, that's obviously the goal is you, you want to be able to sell most of that stuff. And it seems like uh, for most of them, it's it's been a pretty good ride so far, and especially um, on the higher end material, the unique stuff that doesn't come to auction very good. That's the best place to sell something that's unique is, is through an auction, um, just because you, you never know uh, how, who are, who, who's interested in bidding on it. But more than likely, if it's a unique and rare item, you're going to have at least uh, you know half dozen or dozen people that are going to take it to the limit you know, because they really want it. You know what? One thing that surprised me and uh, kind of the the ebb and flow of, of 
people in the hobby in terms of employment. You know, we lost Ezra, Ezra Levine, who was a great friend of the show from Collectibles, and Kunal Chopra from, from Beckett uh, the other day, and, and uh, PWCC, you know, they let off a, a bunch of people. Do you still think, you could, do you see, think we'll still see a lot of flux in terms of uh, people guiding these type of companies in, in uh, you know, in and out of talent to the, to, to the hobby? Well, I think it's a challenge, especially at a startup, um, getting people, it's, it's, it's okay to start something and have an idea that you think is going to work, but sustaining it is the hard part, um, sure. sustaining it and growing it, you know, that's the hard part. And, um, you know, and you have to kind of balance the fact that, you know, maybe you want to be a leader in technology, but at the same time, you have to realize that that's a pretty narrow niche of people that are really fascinated by the technology angle of it. Um, because at its whole, the hobby is still a lot of people walking around the show with want lists. You know? um, it's, it's still a lot of people that are working on a budget of maybe 100, 200, 300, $400 a month. It's not always guys that drop $400,000 a month, you know, on an auction or, um, you know, are heavily invested in high-end cards. You know, that's a really narrow niche, and you can serve right. That's a, it's, a, it's such a finite market, right? There's, there's, yeah, can't, yeah. And I don't know how many people. These... I don't know many how many people is it, but it can't be more than a couple hundred. Well, yeah, I don't know what the number is either. I, I think it's, and I think a lot of them are overseas too. Um, and, and so, if you're if that's kind of going to be your main focus, that's a hard, you know, and. and that's a hard thing to do is to, if you're focused on on the really high end market. But um, I, I think uh, we're kind of in a in a an era where you're kind of having two elements. You know, you have your your modern. The hobby is really kind of sectored into your old school collectors and and by old school I don't mean necessarily all people that are fifty and over or whatever. I mean people that are just into this on a on a have a small budget. Um, you know, it's it's disposable income for them. And then you have the other side of things where everybody's all about high end cards and high end this and and investments and um, and they're strictly focused on you know the the barometer of the hobby as it relates to the success of players in sports so it's it's kind of a two-edged you know kind of a, a, a little bit sectored i guess is, is the way to put it is it's you know it, and so i don't know there's some crossover for sure but uh, what angle do you focus on if you're starting a new business or you're trying to serve a certain uh, portion of the hobby you know it, it, certainly the pie is bigger when it comes to just average collectors but the money is where <laughs> the people right. that have a lot to spend if you're servicing them or, or your your business is centered around high-end stuff so it's yeah it's kind of a fascinating dichotomy of of hobbies you know where there's always been that separation between modern collectors and vintage but you always have a lot of crossover too um you know now although i think it's just it's really splintered um it's really splintered in in that, in that you have a lot of people who are just strictly all about brand new products brand new players um you know rookie hot rookies and this guy's falling and this guy's rising and, and they're that's their whole thing and and the rest of the the hobby is kind of 
you know, they're, they're sort of a, a little less volatile in nature, but obviously, you know, the payoff for a lot of that is, is not as, as big. So it's kind of an interesting, uh, it's for us, it's, it's interesting to try and figure out how to serve that because I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people who read us who are, have no interest in modern cards and new releases, but then there's also a, a factor of, uh, a section of people that, that that's all they're interested in. So right. you kind of have to try to service all of them. If you can, that's kind of, we've, I've always done that and, and tried to make sure that we've got things on there that are interesting to all, no matter what you collect, whether you're a, a, in the business as a business person or whether you're in it as a, a collector of low end material, or if you're a really high roller, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's something that, uh, uh, you know, we've always tried to serve it both ways, but I think if you're in the business angle, business part of that it's that's a tough decision to make whether you're going to serve one or the other you personally just as a collector uh is there a new new release or a, a current brand that you enjoy collecting and what are you working on i don't buy a lot of new products honestly um i just don't have the room for it anymore i kind of stopped collecting the, the modern stuff quite a few years ago and um i just because i just don't have a place to put it uh, in my office my uh, office here is where I work is where my collection is stored. So I kind of stopped uh, buying a lot of new products. I do, I will open some things from time to time um, just for fun. Um, and I, I, I tend to like things that are, um, you know, somewhat limited in, in nature. And like everybody else, you kind of want a product that has an opportunity to get some hits because the if you're not collecting sets, then why are you opening new products? So I've kind of fallen into that trap where you kind of look for something that's maybe not a thousand dollars a pack, but it's got an option to uh, to maybe pull something kind of interesting. Um, sort yeah, of this, this, Rich, there's there. nothing like uh, opening a pack. I, I, yeah, I still, yeah. I still oh, enjoy yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, it's still fun. And, and um, so so at least that way, if I'm opening a box of something that's, you know, 200 bucks or 300 bucks or whatever, and, and there's, a, you know, there's maybe only four or five cards in it, but at least I know that I'm not going to have to worry about where am I going to put it on. Yeah, true. What, say, what are you working on? Are you working on any vintage sets or do you have anything? Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, I, I, my my main goal right now and i just completed this actually was i was working on a 1913 fatima team card set wow and i've got uh, i had the the cleveland uh, with shoeless joe and, and a couple other nicer ones i i don't collect high grade stuff in that because it's way too expensive for me so i'm just buying the the lower grade uh, cards that have a decent eye appeal but um love of the game auctions had a really nice uh, uh near set i think it was 14 cards um that they had offered and uh, kind of in my grade range. And so I put a bid in on it and luckily I was able to win it. So I'm looking forward to getting that. And I have congratulations. That's, yeah, a, that's always nice. It's, it's going to be fun to see. I I've got some, and then this with these, this group here, I don't know if that's going to complete my set or if I'm still going to be missing when I tried purposely not to see what they were offering uh, or what, what the checklist that they had up the ones that they were selling other than just, I, I looked to kind of at the condition of them. Cause I want to be surprised when I get them. And then I take the ones I have and say, well, is this a full set now or do I still need one? But I'll probably have some duplicates uh, once I get that. But that's very cool. I love the pre-war um, things that are just uh, I think those are in particular really underrated. Um, they're just cool, uh, oversized little team cards, you know, and that were in 
promotion. It was a promotion for Fatima tobacco back then. And then the other thing I'm doing is just uh, trying to slowly put together a 1949 Bowman baseball set. Of course, oh, I was wow. really stupid and bought the, uh, <laughs> I didn't buy the Jackie Robinson or the Satchel Page when, when they, before when you could have, right? Two or three years ago. Yeah. I said, well, let's start with some graded commons. So I, I did it that way. And then all of a sudden the, you know, the prices of those things just went crazy. So now I'm paying through the nose for, for the uh, Doby and the page. And the, I did get the Jackie Robinson um, a few months ago. That's so awesome. It's a slow process. The high numbers are killing me, but that's, uh, that's the, those are the two projects right now. Very cool. We're talking with Rich Miller. Rich Miller, of course, is founder and editor of Sports Collectors Daily dot com. If you haven't been to the site, what are you waiting for, guys? It's the it's the best site for news on a daily basis, and the features are awesome. Rich just wrote a great feature on Vita Blue, the passing of Vita Blue, which we, which is a really a, a cool little article. I always I always love those when you run down the the five or six cards of a guy who either pass or is, is uh, in the, in the news some way. I, I really, I really love those stories. Yeah. Thanks. It was, it was fun to write that. I, you know, it's what I kind of try to do. We call them career chronicling cards. So we'll, we'll sort of tie the cards to certain seasons of a player's career. Um, you know, 70 was of course his rookie card, but you know, he had the fabulous season. Yeah. I love that seven. I love the 74 that you put out. I, I that's <laughs> one of my favorite fight of blue cards he's just he's just like so happy there you know yeah yeah he, he was just smiling and if you look at all of his cards he's just always smiling you know and that's just kind of the guy he was he, he had some you know issues obviously with drugs later in, in his career but um if you talk to anybody in baseball they just love the guy he was just a, a personable uh warm very caring kind of guy and and uh got into broadcasting later in his career and it's just uh, sad to see him pass away but uh it's uh, it's always fun to remember the guys through their through their baseball cards, and he was just a classic for anybody that collected in the '70s. You love to see Vida Blue because he, he had so many great images. '71 um, card where he's uh, <laughs> almost looks like he's giving the peace sign. Yeah, he's giving the peace sign on his, on his face, and then the '74 he's smiling again. And, and then you look at the Mother's Cookies card from '86, and he's kind of got that same '71 pose where he's he's in a Giants uniform, but he's got those two fingers reaching forward again. It's just uh, it was great, great to see. Kind of be reunited with some of those cards again when I did that story. Do we a final question, Rich? I really appreciate your time with t- speaking with Rich Miller, who is the founder and editor of Sports Collectors Daily, sportscollectorsdaily.com. Rich, uh, do you have anything new in store for the site or any new uh, features or segments that you, you're, you're planning on adding that, that uh, we can look forward to? We're always working on new things, um, new things that we can turn into series. Um, there's nothing new in the pipeline right now, I can tell you. But um, one of the things that, um, and again, this is Tony Reed uh, doing these, is is what we call uh, better than a box. And we talked about the the cost of of new products, and this is kind of related to that. He'll take a newly released box of cards and the value of that, what they're selling for, and he'll say, well. You know what? For the price of that same box, I can get four great cards of this popular player, past or present, whoever it is. But usually, it's a, a current player like an Aaron Judge or a Bryce Harper or somebody like that. And he'll take, um, depending on the sport, you know, obviously basketball it's different. But he'll take, uh, you know, a, a, a rookie card, an autograph card, a relic card, and a serial numbered card. He'll pick, he'll find one of each of those cards, and build a, a basic little collection 
for that player for the same amount that you would spend on a brand new hobby box that may or may not be worth the money that you're paying for it. You know, um, most people are looking for hits and, you know, eight times out of 10, it's you're not getting back the money you spent on it. And he, his alternative angle is, hey, for that same amount of money, look at the nice cards you can buy. Um, and, and certainly people will still, you know, say, well, I'd rather have the experience of breaking the box. But, you know, this is just an alternative to say, you know, you might want to give that a second thought because you can buy, he did Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was his, his uh, most recent one. And he picked out a PSA 10 Topps Chrome rookie card, um, a relic card, a serial number card, um, you know, and, and just basically, you know, match the value for value and said, hey, you know, you, here's four really nice Vladdy Jr. cards that are probably going to not go down in value over the course of the next 10 years. Would you rather have that or would you rather spend it on a, a one card box of, you know, tops <laughs> archive signature series, you know, where you yep. might get a, you know, a run of the mill player worth five bucks or 10 bucks, you know. Um, so it's just kind of a fun thing that he does. And and he does about one a week. Um, we're going to have one coming up here soon that he's he's been working on and um, with Bryce Harper. So you'll be able to pick out he'll be he'll pick out four Bryce Harper cards that you can own for the price of a uh, another hobby box that's coming out this week. So um, that's that'll be his latest. He did one on Aaron Judge a few weeks ago too. And I always find it interesting to to see that uh, you know pretty some pretty great cards you can own for the price of a box for anybody that's kind of frustrated like. You know, I never get anything good out of a box. Well, maybe you should think about taking your taking your uh, your hobby buying to a different angle and, and buying some of these guys, these guys who are clearly, you know, Hall of Fame or, or appear to be Hall of Fame worthy at some point. Maybe not quite there yet, but they're superstars who are on their way to a great career. So it's that's been kind of a fun thing. One thing I, I, I like in terms of collecting, I'd like to get your opinion on this, is the relic cards seem to have a lot of value uh, that you can get, you know, Hall of Fame relic cards for pretty inexpensive prices. Is that, would you agree with me on that? Yeah, absolutely. And you know what else is that if you look at some of the Hall of Fame autographs from, especially from basketball, Walt Frazier, one of the greatest cards in basketball history, you can buy an autograph, really nice, higher grade uh, our higher end brand Walt Frazier autograph card for next to nothing. Rick Barry is another one. I mean, uh, historic type players, you know, when you think about uh, who some of these guys are, Spencer Haywood, I mean, read about their careers and it's, you know, maybe you, you never watch those guys play, but you know, they're hall of famers and they're, they're guys who are immortal in the, in the sport that they are in. And you can do it for any sport, baseball, basketball, football, and find, um, these great autographs and like you mentioned, relic cards for, you know, such modest prices compared to what you'll pay for a guy who may or may not be anything, you know? In right. I mean, you, you you could spend, you know, $80 on a Jason Dominguez card, or yeah. you could get, you know, a Jim Palmer relic card with an autograph for, for a third of the price you're going to spend on the Dominguez card. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And, and even guys like Hank Aaron, now it's changed a little bit because Hank Aaron's passed on, but you know, a few years ago, you could buy an Aaron, you know, autograph card for a couple hundred bucks. And, you know, would you rather have that? Or would you rather take a gamble on a guy who's in single A batting 230? You know, even no matter what the hype behind him is, I, thought, I think I'll take the Hank Aaron card. Well, Rich, I really appreciate your time today. I kept you a little over class. I, I apologize. Why don't you let people know how, how they can follow you um, you on social media? Yeah, we're pretty much everywhere. Um, 
Sports Collectors Daily on Facebook. We have a page there with uh, 90,000 of your closest friends. Um, we post there multiple times a day. Sometimes it's cool things we find on eBay in addition to posting all of our stories. You know, we post four fresh stories every day. So you'll see those there along with different things, um, just usually baseball or sports history uh, posts and things like that. We also are on Twitter at Sports Collector. Um, and uh, you can find us on Instagram too. Don't post a whole lot on Instagram, but I am there. Um, again, Sports Collectors Daily on Instagram. And if you want to just get your our headlines every day in your email, there's no cost. It takes about 10 seconds to sign up. Just go to the homepage and uh, type your email address in there. And then every day, 10 o'clock Central Time, 11 on the East Coast and 8 on the West Coast, you'll get a little email with our four top stories of the day. And then the uh, stories that ran the day before that as well. And um, there's no cost. Never will be a cost. Everything's free. No matter where you connect with us, it's always nada and guys make sure you check out my weekly article on ttming and the ttm cast podcast and this week i talk about my washing machine fiasco it's still <laughs> rich i'm never gonna let, let this live this one down i think people can relate to it though you know it's like this guy has this great autograph collection but every once in a while he it's like oops <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friend, you have a great week and, and I will um, I will talk to you and I really appreciate your time. Thank you. All right. Sounds good, Jeff. Thanks a lot. All right, I'll talk to you later. Bye. Right. I'd like to welcome our newest sponsor, Collects. Looking up the values of trading cards can be a chore, but now there's an app that makes getting the market price as simple as snapping a photo. The app is called Collects, C-O-L-L-X, and it's free in the App Store and in Google Play. After you scan your cards and get the values, you can build out your collection, list cards for sale, and make deals with other Collects users to buy and sell cards. Now you can get $10 towards your first card purchase in Collects Marketplace. Just send me an email at ttmcast at yahoo.com and we'll get you a $10 coupon. Get Collects today. It's free and get $10 towards your first card purchase. Just send me an email to ttmcast at yahoo.com and make sure you put $10 in your subject line. Well, Drew, you and I have said it a couple times before, Rich has really had his finger on the pulse of what's going on with panini and fanatics and he's always uh you know he's passionate about the hobby and he loves collecting and it, it, it it's very evident uh in his reporting and all the changes and additions that he's made to the site if you've never gone to sportsselectorsdaily.com you, you're missing something check it out you can sign up for their free newsletter uh everything is free on their site it, you know it doesn't doesn't cost you a nickel and, and rich is a great ambassador of the hobby don't you think Absolutely. And we're not just saying this because we occasionally write for the site either. It is legitimately a great site. I I mean, I was reading it long before I ever wrote anything for it. Yeah, so, me yeah, too. Definitely worth checking out and make part of your part of your daily uh, news check there every morning. Yeah, just give it a check. Even if you just go once uh, once a week, there's always a cool yeah. feature uh, article there about a, a find or a feature on an old vintage set or something that's going on that you might not know about the hobby. It's a really great set. So make it make sure you check check out at sportscollectorsdaily.com. Well, Drew, Saturday, uh, as we tease, I have Jeff Parker. Jeff Parker is the um, CEO and inventor of Card Cradle, cardcradle.com. Check it out. Um, and it is a um, a new way to display your cards. On You put it on the wall. It's really cool. Um, we're going to give away four of the Card Cradles uh, to listeners uh, next 
Saturday. So if you want to register to win a card cradle, what do you have to do, Drew? Send us your name and your mailing address to ttmcast at yahoo.com with card cradle in the uh, subject line. Yeah, and we're going to give away four, not this Saturday, but the following Saturday. But Jeff Parker will be with us this Saturday to talk about his company. We will have Les Wolf on. We haven't heard heard from Les in a couple of weeks. We're going to talk to Les about everything that's going on. We're also looking for um, new submissions in terms, so Les can can do his appraisal on it or give his opinion on it. So if you have anything uh, that you'd like Les to do an, uh, an a free appraisal on, if you want to get his, your opinion on something that you have uh, a collectible, either an autograph or even a card or whatever, a piece of memorabilia that you'd like to get get an opinion on, Les will do that for free. And all you have to do is just send me a picture and put Les Wolf in the in the subject line. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to have another appraisal with Les. But Les will be on this Saturday to talk about what's going on in the hobby and, and gloat about the, his Jets getting Aaron Rodgers, right? <laughs> yep, yep. On next Wednesday, next Wednesday, we're going to get this right, Drew. Next Wednesday, mm-hmm. we have Don McNeil. Don McNeil played uh, for University of Alabama. He was on two national championship teams in 78 and 79. Then he went on to play 10 seasons with the Miami Dolphins uh, as a cornerback. And uh, Don comes on and talks about his time uh, playing with Bear Bryant and playing with uh, Don Shula. And he loves signing autographs. So hopefully you have, uh, you've gotten a TTM out to Don because Don is a great signer through the mail. And we're going to talk to Don about his career and about signing autographs and some of the stuff that he's accumulated from his playing days, including game balls and autographs and stuff. So that will be on next Wednesday. I lo- Don't you love when you get to talk to former players and, and uh, get their take on, on what it was like to, you know, to play in the in the professional sports and also to sign autographs through the mail and what the thought uh, is when somebody sends them something through the mail that they don't know and then they you know they sign it and get it off to you. I, I just really think it's cool. Absolutely, and I mean, I always like hearing about you know when when you find a player who's also a collector. You mentioned you know Don McNeil having some of those items from his career, some autographs, some you know game used items. It's always cool like seeing what other players collect of other players. It's just kind of a just shows that hey, they're just like us exactly. Yeah. So that's coming up next Wednesday on TTM Cast 101. Guys, we have a show on Saturday. Make sure you tune in to that, download that. All sorts of fun stuff. Saturday, Jeff Parker from Card Cradle and Les Wolf. Drew, anything else before I let you go? I think we're pretty well covered there. Looking forward to Saturday. All right. Have a great rest of the week. We will talk to you on Saturday, guys. Wishing everyone many happy returns. We'll see you on Saturday. Be good.